Do we have a problem? You're listening to the Don't Go Postal podcast with Donovan Stroud. to episode two of the Don't Go Postal podcast. My name is Donovan Stroud. Thank you for tuning in. If you're watching, thank you. If you're listening, thank you as well. And today's episode, I'm just going to talk about uh, what went on in my life uh, around community college. I mentioned that I only did one semester of community college. That's because I've always hated school, and I just didn't put forth any effort, so that's why I only did one semester. I was also not accepted to any good universities. I wanted to go to East Carolina University in North Carolina, but my grades were not good. I probably had like a 2.5 GPA out of high school and not the best SAT score to, to make up for that GPA. And so I went to a community college called Pitt Community College that just so happens to be right down the street from East Carolina. I only wanted to go to East Carolina because I had heard that it was a big party school. And so being at Pitt, I would uh, be close to that and I could party all I wanted there. Uh, I, I didn't get the party in high school, so that's why I wanted to, you know, finally experience it for the first time when I moved to a city with a lot of crazy-ass kids. I uh, did one semester of criminal justice. I picked that major, I guess, because, like, I thought it would follow along in my stepdad Tommy and my stepbrother Adam's footsteps since they were both police officers I changed my mind on that uh, right around when I, I dropped out I would say right ar- around that moment is when I decided you know maybe criminal justice being a cop isn't the right thing for me and plus you had to go to school to for like a couple of weeks or whatever to become a cop. So I didn't even want to do that. Like I, I just hated school that much. I just pretty much gave up on that for sure. But I moved down there uh, and, you know, moved in with my brother Adam, who had been there for, I believe, three years already. He was towards the end of his degree and he had been partying as well since he also didn't really get to party in high school I'm guessing that's why he did in college and you know he went a little off the rails like I eventually went off the rails and when I moved down there to live with him I think he was right at the cusp of going off the rails party wise he was working at the Fresh Market, which was a place that I eventually started working at. And 
you know, he would go to these dance clubs and he would take me with him because, you know, I wanted to go party and he would just get plastered and I'd drive him home. That was pretty much all of my partying that I experienced while in community college. I was still in community college at that time. It wasn't until I dropped out that I really started partying. But yeah, I always hated school. And I will just mention that I made the room laugh for like a, an entire room laugh for the first time when I was in community college. I was giving a PowerPoint presentation on China's one-child policy. I don't know what I said, but that's obviously a not-so-bright topic, and people laughed at whatever I said. I don't know. It wasn't intentionally funny. I was never funny growing up. I was just unintentionally funny, and it was one of those unintentional funny things, and they thought I knew that I was funny, but I had no idea that what I said was funny. And so when they started laughing, I froze up for probably, I would say, three minutes. But I know that's not the case. It felt like three minutes. But it was, in reality, probably like 20 seconds. And that, it's it sucked. Uh, that sucked. I just froze up, and, and I would say that that one particular event is uh, one of the catalysts, I would say, to why I wanted to start comedy, because, you know, that one time, you know, it was a horrible experience, them laughing like that. I don't think they were laughing at me. They might have been laughing at me. Uh, so there's no telling, but that's... You know, one thing that was in the back of my mind when I started to do comedy is just that one, that one, that one thing in community college. You know, it was probably that one event that made me want to drop out and just quit. I'm kidding, but it was the bad, it was the bad grades and the homework. And I never liked homework. Never wanted to do homework. Um, it's just bad school discipline. And, you know, just doing the basic things you have to do to get good grades. I just I just never did that. I knew what they were. I just didn't give a fuck. Um, yeah, I was living with my brother down there. And he ended up moving back home to live with, uh, you know, my stepdad and my mother. She was still with him. Um, she was still with my stepdad at the time. And so my brother moved down uh, back home. And I was left in this big city, you know. It was the biggest city I had ever lived in. And they called it G Vegas because, you know, Greenville starts with a G. And Vegas is known for partying, so they called it G Vegas. And I was in over my head, to say the least. I started working at the Fresh Market. You know, the same place my brother worked at. He, he hooked me up with a job there before he left. And I got in touch with some people that were partiers. They just went out and partied. They were like, Donovan, you got to come party with us sometime. I don't, they might, I think the Fresh Market might have been where they started calling me Donnie. I don't remember how or 
if I made them, like told them I go by Donnie, I don't know what exactly I did. Uh, I think I just, I just had that kind of Donnie uh, just feel, you know. It, it, it was, it felt, that doesn't make sense. I guess I gave, I gave off Donnie vibes. You know, you hear somebody like me back then, I'm sure you would think this is this guy's definitely named Donnie. Uh yeah. Uh but working at the fresh market. That was when I started the party cuz these these people, they knew how to party. I didn't know uh who I was. I just wanted I just knew that I I wanted the party and they they were all about that. You know, I got together with uh a bunch of, of, of them pretty much go out any chance I could. I wasn't 21 yet, which I did uh, get a fake ID from my friend Charles that was working there. It was actually just his ID, and he gave it to me. He was like, you know, we kind of look the same, two basic-looking white guys, They'll, they'll probably let you in with this. And they did let me into the bar with his ID. And I got shit-faced and had to work. I didn't care about responsibilities, obviously. So I, I had to go to work at 6 a.m. the next morning after staying up till 3 a.m. drinking and stuff. And that uh, led to me getting fired from the fresh market I just went in and uh, I was working in the bakery that day, which I had never worked in the bakery. They had me all over the place, but I had never worked in the bakery. And the lady that was there was like, just just go do whatever you usually do. Like, get, get out of here. And and so I did. You know, she told me like that, you know, you're going to follow uh, the instructions of somebody who says it like that. And so I start bagging groceries and I'm basically half asleep, and a buddy of mine, or at least I thought they were a buddy, told me, hey, the meat department has a Christmas, you know, like, themed, like, seasonal items and stuff, but they have a Christmas pillow, and you could probably just go climb the ladder to get on top of the meat market, meat department, sorry, and take a nap, and I did take a nap uh, for about two hours uh, on top of the meat department, and, you know, everybody was like, what the fuck, when I got back, and I just went home, and they fired me after that, so couldn't hold that job. But while I was there, like I said, I met some people that knew how to party. One guy in particular that knew how to party, legit, uh, was named Jared. And he took me under his wing, so to speak. Uh, he's, he, you know, he offered me a place to live when he found out Adam was moving back home. And he said, hey, uh, you're looking for a place you can live with in, a, in the house that me and my high school buddy, Thomas, uh, live in. And so I jumped on that opportunity. I was like, hell yeah, I will do that. And, you know, I, I, I lived with them, and my 
stepdad Tommy was uh and, and my mom were sending money to help me pay for rent and stuff and I didn't get fired until later on from the fresh market I, I once I moved in with Jared and Thomas I I uh what's it called once I moved in with them I, I wasn't really a big partier when I moved in with them when I moved in it was before I got into the partying I I just did nothing but play video games basically and they were like, dude, what the fuck, man? You got to come out with us. And uh, I eventually did, obviously, uh, from all the stories. And the timelines are kind of fucked up here. So I apologize. But living with Jared and Thomas, they were high school buddies. And, you know, I wanted to be buddies with them. And I think I was. But I was also a shithead. And didn't listen. Because they were they were older than me. I, you know, I was like 20 years old, 19, 20, I was right around 20, 21, living with them, because the fake ID thing, that was like two months before I turned 21, so I couldn't even wait two months to like get a, a real ID, you know, but anyways, they were like 24, probably, I think they were like 24, and I definitely looked up to them, because they were like responsible with their partying. You know, Thomas had a job working for a radio, selling marketing, whatever. He'd get, you know, steady income from places because they would have commercials on the radio and they would pay him. It was a sweet job. And, you know, he had to go into work at 9 a.m., which isn't too early, but, you know, he made sure he didn't party, uh, or anything too crazy if he had to go to work the next morning. You know, he'd tell me, don't do anything crazy, don't be too loud, because I got to get up at 9 in the morning, and I didn't give a shit, and I would just bring loud-ass people back home, and they'd wake him up, and, you know, that was pretty rude of me. But it was... It was fun. Uh, He got me back the next morning, and poured water on me to wake me up. Just a big old bucket of water to wake me up. Uh, for revenge for waking him up that night. Yeah. Jared, he was such a down-to-earth... Is, he's still alive. He uh, is a down-to-earth guy. He knew all about all types of music. His iPod, he would hook it up to the, the big old speaker's that we had in the living room, and, you know, his iPod had, like, 11,000 songs on it, and we would just crank up that stereo and just dance late at night after going out to the bars, drinking at the, you know, at the house, smoking weed, and it was fun, and, you know, I, I, like I, like I mentioned, I, I, the addictions I, I, I've, I have, you know, it's, it's usually because I enjoy something so much. I don't know how to cherish it, to moderate it. I do now, I believe, but back then, no way. Getting drunk and dancing at 3, 4 in the morning, that was the funnest thing to me. I wanted to do that every night. And so I did. I would go out, even when Jared and Thomas didn't feel like going out, I would go out with some people from the fresh market we we had like a group of people that pretty much monday through sunday 
you know, different days of the we wouldn't go every day, but you know, probably like three, four or five times a week, go out to these bars and you know, they had deals for every every night of the week it seemed like. Mondays you could do mug night at Sup Dogs in Greenville and uh you know, spend a dollar. Just spend the dollar and you bring whatever size mug you want and they'll fill it with beer for a dollar. And I did that all the time. A lot of people did. Tuesdays, halfway house, they had like a dollar vodka rebels. Two it was like one or two dollar vodka rebels. And that is a good deal. Yeah, partying partying with them, having that group of people. It was it was fun, uh, like I said, uh, numerous times and repeating myself, so sorry for that. Um, up until a, a certain point, you know, as with anything, you have to moderate. And I had a big fear of missing out. I uh, I felt like if I didn't go out that night, that I would miss something spectacular that everyone would be telling me about the next time I saw them. Like, dude, you weren't here Wednesday, man. Like, Wednesday was crazy. And then I'd be like, wow. Yeah. I I stayed home Wednesday. You know, just fear of missing out. I, I don't have that anymore. Look, like, thank God. I do not care about however many parties I'm missing. I'll be delivering the mail and see some college kids party and I'll just just keep delivering the mail. Don't give a fuck. Like it doesn't affect me now. Um so I've I've grown in that sense. I eventually got evicted from the house. You know, I got fired from the fresh market. Obviously, whatever comes after that is is probably not gonna be good either. So yeah, the the firing eventually led to the eviction uh, and that's because I fell three months behind on rent you know you fall three months behind on rent you can't keep living somewhere and I learned that uh, the hard way and I didn't even like make an effort that's the thing it was just like school I didn't make an effort because the landlord lived next door at uh, a bed and breakfast that he owned and you know, he told me uh, if I if I want to shave some money off my rent, like not have to pay as much, I just go over there and start gardening. He had a you know a little garden area, and I never jumped on that opportunity. My roommates did. I just didn't want to do any effort. It was a lazy, uh, very ad- addicted personality type of guy. I also during this time developed a weird habit of being a pathological liar. I think it started with going there and trying to reinvent myself. And what I thought that meant was just lying about a bunch of things. I would lie every waking second. It didn't matter what it was about. I would just come up with stuff to make people like me that was a a reason telling the people that I was partying with that I went to East Carolina University instead of Pitt Community College 
That was a big lie. Uh, the biggest one was this time I, I told Jared's friend that I had lung cancer. And that was just because like I was high and I coughed. And then he was like, are you okay? And I was like, hey, don't tell the roommates. But I've got the lung cancer. And you kind of... That was like the first lie that I kind of like looked at myself. And, you know, I didn't like what I saw at all. But that didn't stop me from continually lying. It took me a while to get over that. But I was the worst roommate as far as, like I said, just being a shithead. And eventually got evicted. Yeah, the landlord was like, hey, we got some people that want to move in that can pay rent and that was that was all she wrote folks um after the eviction i moved in next door uh it was across the street actually uh moved across the street and i subleased an apartment for a month and i told myself i'm not gonna fail to pay rent again i know i'm only here for a month but i'm not gonna fail and it was like 400 bucks that I needed to pay. And so I started selling weed. I sold weed. And I was pretty good at it, actually. I, I'm not even going to lie. I uh, took the opportunity to be creative with it. I would have like a, a pothead arts and crafts time where I would take little grams of weed and put them into, uh, I would cut up a Ziploc bag and I would wrap the plastic around the weed and then light the edges. That way it sealed it off. And I'd have little baggies. I've had, I'd have like little tiny baggies of grams of weed. And uh, that's pretty much all I sold is just grams. Matter of fact, thinking back on it, I was I was pretty horrible at being a weed dealer. I didn't make nearly enough money, and all I did was smoke my supply. So hindsight's twenty twenty. I know I just said that I was a great weed dealer, but I, in reality, I, I really wasn't. Um, because the main goal in doing that is making money and not uh, using up all your supply. So yeah. Yeah, but I lived there at that apartment, subleasing for a month. It was this girl, Ashley, who lived two doors down from the old house that I got evicted from. She lived two doors down from that, and she was going to move into that apartment in, I think, like July. So I had like the month of June to do my shenanigans. And she told me some strict rules like, hey, no partying on the balcony and shit and no late night, people being loud. And so, of course, like, first week, I'm showing my apartment off to some friends, like, hey, come check out the balcony. And we were drinking and being loud on the balcony. And then she's across the street and is like, Donnie, what the fuck? I'm saying Donnie because they called me Donnie back then. I don't like, I don't go by Donnie now just to get that out there. Somebody's going to fucking call me Donnie after this. But uh, she's like, Donnie, like, I told you no partying late at night and being loud and also no balcony stuff like she's yelling this across the street at 2 a.m and you know i was pretty uh torn up about that 
and you know, like I argued back with her and then like my friends consoled me afterwards because I was crying like a little bitch like I don't want to get evicted again I don't want to get evicted like I don't I don't want to upset her uh but I made it through that month and found some people to move in with who knew a drug dealer that I knew and you know that's if you know somebody through a drug dealer I'm sure that's the best possible people for you to live with for sure there were two college guys younger uh and they were you know still in college and worked hard and had a good GPA both of them had jobs also and or internships whatever I've never had an internship so I have I have nothing to say about that I don't know anything about internships uh but one of them had an internship at like a tennis court and actually the other one didn't have a job but I was there pretty much in the house the whole time and so it was like the first time that I actually uh cleaned up all the other places I lived at I didn't really clean up uh except for the one with myself I did clean up my little bachelor pad of selling weed I made sure that was clean but I was there alone at the house of the two of the college guys and a lot of the time and so I started cleaning and you know it sucks because like they didn't really clean and so I was experiencing what Jared and Thomas experienced which is like that that one but in my case it was the two of them but the one roommate who doesn't clean very well and by very well I mean they don't clean at all don't know what washing dishes is or what it means what it stands for what does fucking washing dishes stand for I don't know while I was there uh, you know I, I went while I was there I mean when I say while I was there I mean just <sighs> mm. I mean, and when I say while I was there, I mean in Greenville, that area. It was just a really dark time for me because I had no guidance. I had no no type of ambition uh, until it came to a rap label that I co-founded with this person, Taylor, who also sold weed. And... He was there a lot at the house with me and the two college guys that I was living with. And we all kind of started it together along with this one person who I knew through the fresh market that we kept we kept hanging out. And Taylor was the only rapper that we had in this rap label. Although I did consider myself to be good at rapping and I thought I could be a rapper as well. But it was a rap label that we started, and I jumped headfirst into that and wanted to pursue that. Uh, we called it Plug Inc. P L U G I N C Plug Inc. And we tried to like trademark it, but the, apparently there's a lot of Plug Inks because we were naming it after us being the plug, you know, selling weed and stuff. But that didn't go anywhere because. Obviously, I didn't have any ambition, any drive, 
and neither did the people that I was with. I was say I will say that's probably a good assessment. They didn't really believe in it. Uh, I definitely believed in it. And that was the main thing. And Taylor believed in it. It's just the effort wasn't there because like we we just sat around smoking weed all the time. That was our meetings, and and uh, watching music videos as part of our study. So it just it just wasn't wasn't good. But uh, before I'm, I'm fucking up this timeline, and I'm I, I really am sorry for this. But before the rap label, I thought I had it figured out as far as what I wanted to pursue. I wanted to be a movie director, and I would I would pathologically lie about that as well. I told people that I had watched like the 1,000 movies you should watch before you die. I was like, yeah, I want to be a director. I've done this. And, you know, it was a, a lie, obviously. And that didn't go anywhere because I never bought any video equipment. But now, technically, I'm directing this podcast. So, boom shakalaka. Um, but, yeah, in Greenville, I had a lot of dark times, a lot of dark moments, bad things that happened to me. I broke my jaw. I wish I could tell you how that happened, and I apologize if this is sounding like a bummer right now, but I'm just talking about my history. Um, I was at a frat party with Thomas, Jared, uh, and three of their friends, or two or three of their friends, I think one, two, two, two of their high school friends, and... We were dressed as the village people. I was the sailor. And as soon as we got to the frat party, they were immediately confrontational with us. Like, hey, if you're not in the frat, you have to pay $5. This was coming from somebody wearing a, a cow outfit. It's a fat guy. I'm, I'm guessing they made him wear that. But he said, you know, $5, you have to pay. And so we're like, whatever. We heard there was a lot of girls here and a keg, so we'll pay. And I'm walking around with... Jim Bean by myself just sipping on it so I didn't care really about a keg but that didn't stop me from getting some of the beer out of that keg um walking around in this party and there are a lot of women I, I remember that much uh I, the reason I say I, I wish I could tell you what happened is because I, I blacked out I just kept drinking that Jim Bean and they were confrontational with us back and like on and off confrontational and ended up kicking out all of my friends, but I never saw that. And so I was there alone, just talking to the girls, shooting the shit like I do. And somebody hit me, uh, I guess. I woke up the next morning in my bed, clueless as to how I got there. Uh, a coworker at the Fresh Market. Uh, his number was like the first number in my phone. So somebody called him and he came and picked me up and dropped me off at the house. Woke up the next, you know, woke up the next morning in my bed and I look in the mirror and see just like a, about a big gash in my jaw. I just, just completely separated and uh, it felt horrible. And my roommates, Thomas and Jared, you know, they tried to cheer me up about it. You know, like uh, they didn't, they didn't think, 
my jaw was broken. I told them I thought it was. They were like, there's no way you're talking right now. So they tried to cheer me up by, you know, buying me a Subway sandwich. And, you know, that's impossible with a broken jaw. So I didn't even get to really eat for that time. But I did go to the hospital like two days later. And my mom met me there. And they told me they're going to have to seal my jaw shut for like six months or whatever, six weeks, I don't, nine weeks. I don't know exactly how long they said, but I do know that I immediately started crying because I was like, no, I'm not going to get the party and I'm going to have to eat food through a straw and be a vegetable. Uh, I guess that's what I said. I was just, you know, really down about the whole thing. But turns out the doctor came back. He's like, you might be fine. Just self-healing, just healing on its own. And so I was super happy and that's what happened. My jaw did heal on its own. But uh, some stuff started to happen after that. I started to get weird uh, pains whenever I would smoke weed. And usually I was like smoking weed and drinking. So I think it was a combination of the two together. But I would feel like sharp pains in my abdomen. And I remember calling my mom panicking. And she got an ambulance to come pick me up. And I was like waiting in the driveway for them. And I told them, I'm like, I'm fine. I'm good now. Like this is, I'm okay. You don't have to take me anywhere. And they were like, we kind of have to. And then they picked me up. And as they were going to the hospital, they got a call that there was a fatal car wreck. And because I was in the back of the ambulance, uh, they couldn't go tend to that. So I was just super embarrassed. I put the sheet over my head and went, you know, got to the hospital, told them I was fine. I just smoked some bad weed or whatever. And after that is, is when I decided to move back home. And I moved back home with my stepdad, Tommy, and my stepbrother, Adam. And I was, I guess, recovering that whole time I was with them. I stayed with them for a year. And I didn't apply for any jobs. I just played video games on my laptop and... I didn't want to apply for any jobs there because I felt like if I applied jobs for anything in my hometown that I would stay there forever. And I know that sucked for Adam because he was hustling. He was providing for me and my stepdad who didn't have a job. Uh, He was on disability. Uh, He might have got some income from that. I'm not sure. But he was providing definitely for me uh, because... I was just sitting there playing video games the whole time. Like he would go, at, you know, ask if I wanted anything to eat from where he was going, and I'd get, get some. He'd I'd tell him give me some food. But you know, some days I would say, "Hey, if I skip a meal, can I spend twenty dollars on this game? I skip two meals, twenty dollars on this game." And I would just buy like cosmetic items on the on the video game. So. I was I was okay with that for a year. I just stayed inside pretty much the whole time. I'd, I'd occasionally go be the one to 
get us all some food. We just pretty much went to nothing but fast food places. And I just would stay up late and sleep in late. And I was fine with that. Like, I just could have kept going with that uh, up until a certain point. I did at one point say that, you know, I I, sh- I want to uh, try and get my trucker's license because, you know, J.J. Abrams or somebody, James Cameron, one of those famous directors, used to be a trucker. And so I was like, if I, if I, <laughs> that's so stupid, I know. Uh, I thought that if I became a trucker, you know, I could eventually become a director. And it doesn't make any lick of sense. I, I'm fully aware of that. I, uh, I did try and better myself uh, one time there. I wanted to go work out. And so I went to the track that was right down the street, not very far, so I could go run. And uh, I, I was just a slob at the time. I was just doing nothing but eating and playing video games. And so this was like right after I had ate uh, two hot dogs from Sonic. And the first time I try and make myself better and go work out, I'd throw up these hot dogs. And it was not a pretty sight. I stayed there with them as long as I needed to and recovered from all of the bad stuff that went on uh, in community college and got in touch with my mom because my mom was, you know, she had left... Uh, like I said, she had left them, or left left my stepdad right around when I, I moved away to go to a community college, and I got back in touch with her, and I said, I want uh, to do like something, and she told me about a job opening at the post office in Columbia, and she told me, Columbia, South Carolina, where where I live. And she t- she was also down there. She was taking care of a uh, autistic fourteen uh, year old, and you know helping with the day to days of that. She was like the, I guess, nanny uh, for him, and she ended up starting to date the guy uh, that fa- who fathered that kid. And uh, that's my stepdad now. His name's Jimmy. Absolutely terrific guy. Uh, ex-military, but he he's he, he let me do... Like, I moved... Uh, so, before I get into that, uh, I applied for the job at the post office, right? She told me about the job. I applied for the job. And I go down there just to I tell them... I tell Tommy and Adam I'm leaving. And I go down there to Columbia without even getting the job yet and decide to move in with my mom and Jimmy and Jimmy's son, James. And I will get into more of that uh, 
in a different episode. But Jimmy has been nothing but great to me. He's, you know, ex-military guy, and it was new for me to be able to have freedom because when I did live with Tommy, you know, he, he didn't really want me. There was one point where I wanted to go, like, party at a nightclub that was in, the like, a rural area, and he told me not to, and I was upset about that. But in hindsight, he was probably just looking out for my safety. But growing up, Tommy didn't, like I said, he controlled, and he didn't let a lot of us do anything. And so when I did move in with Jimmy and my mom, it was it was new because I asked him, I was like, hey, can I go to the bar that's down the street and just drink, just sit at the bar and drink? I I would ask them, and he was like, why is your son asking permission to go do this normal thing that people do? Like, what's going on here? And, man, that that was uh, very crucial in my development, being able to do that. And, you know, figuring out what kind of decisions I, I do want to make as an adult. And I have this concept of coming to a good thought. And I know that whatever thought I have that I know to be true, like I know that it's going to help in my development, I get like a tingling sensation, you know, like goosebumps, hair in the back of your neck stands up. And that's how I know that whatever thought I'm thinking is probably good for me. And I know that's, I don't know if that relates to anything I said in this episode, but that was the last thing I put on the topics. So coming to a good thought, it's a rewarding feeling uh, to know that you can continually find the perspective that you need to in order to advance emotionally uh, however because you might not see the underlying uh, good theme the underlying you know I, not, I'm just trying to why am I saying underlying more than once uh you might not be able to find whatever it is to bring you out of your dark hole, but just keep searching for that perspective because it is out there and it'll it'll make you think a different way and you'll get the goosebumps on the back of your neck and you'll know that this is probably the right thing to do. And that concludes this I guess just a history lesson on me from age 20 to, well, I guess from, from age 18 to about 24. So I'll probably talk about more stuff in that eventually. Like just wanting to sleep around and stuff. Uh, I'll add that to some topics for, another episode but that concludes this one and this episode has helped me stay sane and not go postal goodbye